Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Live and broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pr- pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. So boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's only gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. How's it going, Jack? Where are you, handsome man? Where are you? I am in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm your neighbor. Really? Are you here? I just moved. Well, I'm in. I'm in Tennessee right now. I'm in Nashville. Oh, so my brother lives in Nashville. Come on. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm in playing at the Zanies for like we have 15 shows here. We're doing. Oh, that's sweet. So a lot of I, I know a lot of stuff is opening up down there now. Any, any, well, you're in a Republican state. I'm your neighbor, and thank God I moved out of California. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> the problem is a lot of assholes like me, Jack, are moving there, too, and they're voting the same, so oh, let that you. be a lesson. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I know we don't have a lot of time, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain about uh, one question. Yeah. What? Um, you know, Benchwarmer is probably one of my favorite comedy movies of all time, Big Baseball oh, thank you. Fan. You guys, you know, you get to whack a bunch of mailboxes with a Hall of Famer and Reggie. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So... Just overall, that's got to be one of the coolest things ever because you get to whack a bunch of mailboxes with a Hall of Famer, some of your best friends, and you know Spade and and John Heater. Like, how was that experience for you guys, and how was it for him? Was he very open to doing it? Right oh yeah. Away? You know, I always thought. You know, here's the thing, Jack. I always thought to myself, how are we going to get Reggie Jackson? Yeah. He's a Hall of Fame. Like, these guys are dying to be in movies. They don't get offered movies. They get typecast. You know, I get typecast as a comedian. He gets typecast as only a baseball, you know, as, as Mr. October. So when he's offered and paid to go out, and we took him out to dinner and everything, he, um, he loved it. He was so happy you couldn't get rid of him. He said, what are we doing tomorrow? I said, that's it. That's it we got. But he was able to tell stories. And he told me, so the cool thing about it, Jack, was like, uh, he was able to say to like, you know, Mr. Steinbrenner, uh, you don't get, he said, you don't get paid for the season. You get paid for those 17 games in October. Yeah. All the way through the World Series. And you either the, so I said, you're either like, you get paid for those 17 days in October games, and that's it. You're either the World Series champions or you're a loser. And that's it. So you have to deliver in the clutch. So it was just cool to be around somebody like that who really did deliver in the clutch. And he looked like he could still play. Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, he has, like, that self-discipline factor. Were you guys actually just in a random neighborhood, just whacking a bunch of mailboxes? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, we put up our own mailbox. Because if you hit something metal, you're going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. You, you're going to really mess yourself up. But when they put the nice balsa wood together and a little, you know, a little stick that you know, it was fun. I mean, like, literally, uh, it was hard because I was like, I was 40 at the time. Or 40, I was 40 years old. So 40, you're, you're healing and recovery time is a lot. Yeah, that's why baseball players, you know, at 40, it's over. It's over unless you're Tom Brady for some reason. So it was the recovery. That was the hardest part was um, because I would pitch, and then you take a couple of days to recover. But I had this uh, Chinese doctor that was Shaquille O'Neal's doctor, Dr. Shen, and I tore my shoulder 
because the, the director maybe pitched two days in a row without, you know, the three days rest minimum. Yeah? And uh, what it does is he just pokes your back and get and then bleeds you like a stuck pig. Oh. And then, uh, but then that the healing comes in. So that's it. That's why like Shaq worked with him. Shaquille O'Neal was a guy that got hit in the stomach every game, like 50 times. And he never told anybody that, that was his weakness, but that was. He, and so he would need to literally get bled on his stomach to get so the bruises would heal faster so he could play again. Oh and uh, one time Kobe Bryant twisted his ankle and he said, he's not going to be able to play in two days. He went and saw Shen. Shen bled his, his ankle. And then he did play and scored 32 points. And then they won the, uh, the championship. That's nuts. I've never heard that story. Yeah, it's, 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 it's acupuncture, but it's acu... It's acute with, with cupping and extraction. But I'm just telling you, like, I hurt myself on the animal, and they think, oh, the movie's over. But that's when they got Shaq's doctor, and he worked on me from, like, midnight till 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's just I had an old injury. So those old injuries, it's good, because Western medicine doesn't know how to deal with, like, a tissue injury like that. If you, and you can't do surgery or you're screwed forever. But did you play baseball? I did in high school. And then that's I, fun. I, I could never grow, so I was like, all right, in college I'm going to become a broadcaster, and that's what I'm setting out to do now. I'm well, broadcasting, good. I'm acting, I have a film minor, I'm screenwriting, uh, maybe trying to dabble into what you do, maybe not at the high level that you do it. but <clears throat> No, don't, don't limit yourself. Just whatever the thing is that you're most excited about, focus on that. Keep an open mind to it, because the key to it is like you have so many hours in the day. Put it towards that, and the thing that's most exciting to you. You know, but broadcasting, you, you got to start that young while right? you're now, you know, just uh, I, I would say just like for me, just just clean yourself up. You can shave your handsome guy, clean everything up, shorten and just get out there and, and uh, start putting yourself in that position to do broadcasting and just shoot your stuff yourself. That's oh, yeah. the key. You know, you can actually shoot stuff, edit it and put it out there yourself and get that going and then show it to a local news news channel and see if you can get on there. Because, you know, those guys, they're dying to get people because they don't pay worth shit. But what you need right now is experience, you know, not the money, just to get out there and do it. So do the thing. That, and screenwriting is great. I would just say, if you like a movie, find the movie that you like. And go online and get the script for nothing. They'll give it to you over it's five bucks. Then read it and learn the structure of the script that you like. And then read it and read it until it doesn't become, you're not excited by it anymore. You're just seeing how they put it together. And then that will be, uh, you can open up and then figure out what to do there, you know? Oh, yeah. Did you, like, in your experience, when, you know, first starting out, because I know you were a writer with SNL starting out, when you yeah. were writing some of your first screenplays and feature films, do you look back at any and you're like, oh, my God, that was, like, abysmal? Like, I'm sure, like, everybody oh, has yeah. stories. But, like, were there any specific ones that you look back on and be like, man, that was really embarrassing? Not in a funny way, but that was really Well, like, there's some scenes in Deuce Piccolo, too, I wish I wouldn't have done. You know, there's yeah. some scenes, like... You know, me wearing a diaper isn't exactly a most macho thing. But the, um, yeah, you just have to, it's experiment. And the thing is, once you're emotionally connected, in other words, oh, oh, I love that. Like, ah, yeah. Yeah. Then, then you're onto something. When you're looking for it, oh, maybe this would be a good idea. Maybe that would be. Then it's intellectual and it's not felt from an emotional place. So you have to trust not to work it too much. You have to do after you have that inspiration. Then it takes the perspiration to do the, the work. But it's got to come from, oh, yeah, we can do this. But if, you, if you're not sure, you'll know when it's the idea that you have to follow through. Then you have to just keep following through. But, yeah, but, you know, failure is an important part. I mean, most of the time when I first performed, it was bombing. And I remember getting off stage, and this is true, Jack. I felt like my, I bombed so badly. Uh, one night, I felt like my ears were melting off my face from humiliation. And I said, I want to remember this so that I can remember to not let this get to me like this. And I said, I'm going to go to my belt. The audience can get to me there, but no lower. Yeah. Because the important stuff's under there. I'm not going to let it get me. And then you just have to just focus in on um, the thing that you love, and then it'll come, and it'll come from work. And then, boom, it's going to come. But the thing about it is to not worry about the result too much. I tell young people this, too. Don't worry about what it can get you. Stay in the excitement of it. And then that's going to get everything you've ever imagined. Just yeah. stay in the excitement of it. Too many people focus on what it can get me money right now and this and that. And so, you know, I would rather, I did shit jobs, 12 shit jobs that I didn't care about. And I got fired from, that's why I had 12. I got fired because I didn't care about them. And I, can't, I have to say, 
was a shitty employee, but I was painting houses, selling shoes. I was a busboy. I was like, fuck this. And they said, you're fired. I was like, fuck you. I'm just here just to make a few bucks. Man. Yeah. I didn't I didn't sign up to be a fucking busboy, you know? Right. I'm just, and I was a dishwasher, which was the best job because no one was bugging me. But then at night, I was able to go out and, and go to, and then wait in line till I could do stand-up. And then I, I said, I'm going to get great at this. And then I would look at all these other comedians and I go, well, how am I going to get, how am I going to make it? And these other people aren't. I mean, what's the difference? What's going to be the difference? I said, well, I'm going to work harder. So I would write and make, uh, and sit and have a cup, pot of coffee and then just start writing jokes. And still to this day, this is all, this stuff right here, this is all a pad of, of stuff and it's all filled. Yeah. So I used, it still worked, but I do love it, you know? And so... Stay in the passion of it, Jack, and then, uh, you know, it's going to be good for you. Right. I mean, passion is the foundation, you know. Like, as you know, it's all about self-discipline in that factor. Like, never taking no for an answer, never really letting others outside, you know, negativity take you down in a sense. It's true. You um, yeah. Avoid the negative people. but And also, you say yes to stuff. Every time you say yes, it's an opportunity. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be like, I mean, I said yes to do a movie. It wasn't that good. It was called... Uh, American, uh, I forget what it was, but like, I took a chance and that one didn't work. But like, you take chances and then stuff will, will open for you. And uh, but the more you do your own stuff, then you're in control. When you're not in control is when you're waiting for somebody else to hire you. Start doing your own stuff. Start writing. Get your friends. Get anybody that you can to want to do it together with you with what you want to do. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's what I'm trying to do. We're doing a movie. By the way, we're doing a new movie in Arizona. It's called Daddy Daughter Trip. Find out where it's, they're going to start crewing up soon. Get over there and see if you can get on it. That'd All be right? awesome. Yeah. Find out. Daddy Daughter Trip. Look it up. Do your work. And then, and then find it. Daddy Daughter Trip. Shannon Gardner is the, is the producer. Okay? Oh, interesting. In, in Scottsdale. Okay, buddy. Let me grab these other people. I wish you the best, Jack. I hope to see you again sometime. Hey, thanks so much for taking the All time right. to do that. And thanks so much for the uh, words of encouragement, too, man. All the best. You can do it, Jack. <laughs> All thanks, night brother. long. <laughs> see you, Thank buddy. Thank you so much. I am so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? So before we get into the whole premise of this film, I kind of want to touch up on my favorite part of this entire movie, and that was the uh, the Homer zombie. They had totally they had a few different names for different zombies. Again, ten years later, they've been on the road for ten years. They've hunted down uh, a king slaying a bunch of zombies. So Zombieland Two Double Tap introduced several new classifications of zombies, including one based on the iconic animated TV character Homer Simpson of The Simpsons. So after 10 long years, 2019 saw Tallahassee, of course, played by Woody Harrelson, Columbus by Jesse Eisenberg, Wichita by Emma Stone, and Little Rock, played by Abigail Breslin. Uh, they reunite for uh, another round of zombie-killing mayhem, like they did in 2009. Not that things uh, went smoothly for them in the first time around. It spent a majority of the film... But uh, still, they reunited in force just in time for their biggest undead battle to date because the zombies have become smarter and more well-equipped. You'll see this if you go see the movie. If you've already seen it, great. And again, if you haven't seen it, spoilers, watch out. I don't give a crap if I spoil anything for you. This is for uh, my benefit, not yours. But hey, if you want to give me the listen, that's great too. So one of the biggest plot developments for Zombieland 2, Zombieland Double Tap, as it's officially named, was its reveal of the, basically the shambling undead had somehow managed to evolve over the past decade, like I just mentioned. Four distinct varieties of zombies uh, have made themselves known. There's ninjas, which were the fast-moving uh, ghouls, basically, you could call them, able to sneak up on their prey, uh, basically silent. You don't know where they are. The only time you hear them is when they're eating your flesh, which is scary when you think about it. Th thank God there's not a zombie apocalypse today. Uh, so there were ninjas, Hawkins, based after Stephen Hawking's really smart zombies, very intelligent enough 
to, uh, to solve problems they encounter trying to feed on the living. And most prominently, the nearly unstoppable, they called them T-800s, named after uh, the primary Terminator model in the famous Arnold Schwarzenegger franchise. Uh, but unlike the other three types, again, I mentioned the Homer Simpson zombie, Homer zombies uh, were much more likely to kill themselves than any human with a functioning brain. So much like their namesake, Homer Simpson, Homer zombies are overweight, just like Homer. They're slow like Homer. They're clumsy like Homer. They're very dumb like Homer, making them much more of a nuisance than a threat, basically, to the four people that were in this movie. In a fun Easter egg hunt, the first Homer-type zombie seen on screen actually looks like Homer Simpson himself, kind of like a real-life version of the Simpson character, uh, sported the same uh, subtle hairstyle, such as it is, <laughs> a white shirt, uh, blue pants, the Simpsons family patriarch. It's a fun preview of what a live Homer might actually look like. Like I said, minus the whole being a rotten corpse part, you know? Throughout the movie, if you've seen it, again, if you haven't, spoilers, watch out here. You got spoilers coming your way in a second. <laughs> there was a few homers. There was one playing with a butterfly trying to swat it away in the air with his tongue sticking out. Everybody's like, oh, watch out, T-800, uh, a ninja. Oh, wait, nah, there's just a homer. Forget about it. You let, let him be. He'll kill himself eventually. The final scene, actually, it was like the kill of the decade by... Uh, Woody Harrelson's character Tallahassee when he basically led the entire suicidal jump at the end, but we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, there was a homer at the very last second. They're like, oh, shit, there's one left. They're like, oh, wait, no, it's just a homer. And he uh, walked off the plank by himself because he's an idiot. And uh, the other interesting thing in this, I think this was on ScreenRant.com who posted this article, Zombieland uh, Double Taps Homer Zombies are actually closer uh, to George Romero zombies in uh, The Night of the Living Dead, if you remember. So interestingly enough, despite them being treated as a joke in Zombieland 2, Double Taps Homer zombies are actually much closer to the original vision of George Romero. And Romero zombies were slow. They were staggering, seemingly devoid of intelligence in Night of the Living Dead, and fairly easily avoided. What made them a threat was their sheer numbers. As once surrounded, they could easily overtake a target. It, it wasn't until, I think it was 2005's Land of the Dead that, uh, again, Romero directed Romero Zombies began to evolve in a real type of way. Although Day of the Dead's Bub did end up showing flashes of his old humanity as a result of, uh, I believe it was mad scientist Dr. Logan's experiments, if I read that correctly, uh, when zombies first began running most Prominently in Zack Snyder's remake, Dawn of the Dead, Romero, uh, again, did not like that for whatever reason. One assumes he'd feel the same about Zombieland 2's T-800s because they were insanely intelligent and strong. There was one point where Jesse Eisenberg's shooting him down. I actually think it was Woody Harrelson in one of the beginning scenes. Um, and he shot him down at least a half a dozen times. Double Tap, of, of course, the name of the movie, Double Tap was one of the rules in the first one. Uh, when, a, when you kill a zombie, you can't just shoot it once because it'll revive itself. you got to shoot it twice to kill it. Double Tap, this one it took a dozen times, maybe six, maybe 12 times. Uh, that's a large uh, <laughs> assumption. Six times or 12 times, and it still wouldn't die. Yeah, he actually had to stomp its skull into the dirt in order to kill him. So that's how strong they made these T-800s in the movie. But those were the different types of zombies. So again, the uh, the ninja, which I think is the scariest because you can't even hear them when they come up on you. They could be in a house and you don't even know and they just come up. The first time you hear them, they say, is when he's eating their flesh. So that's, that is scary. Hawking zombies, again, Stephen Hawking, they're able to figure stuff out. There was a scene in the movie where a guy was able to hide himself and lock himself in a room that you needed a face ID with. It was like one of the government buildings. And uh, one of the zombies was like, all right, what am I going to do here? Eats the face off of one of the other employees, puts his face on himself using his teeth uh, to get into the building and eat the other man's flesh, which was very intelligent. I have to say, Steve, very Stephen Hawking-like. He'd be, he'd be proud if he was still alive. And then, of course, the T-800s, nearly unstoppable. Like, basically, the athletes of zombies you have to shoot them a dozen times in order to kill them stomp their heads out whatever you got to do basically detach their heads from their body that's what you got to do to kill those ones and then of course my favorite the homers just the absolute sheer morons the fat asses who are playing with butterflies instead of actually wanting to kill people which was 
absolutely hilarious. Uh, there was a big joke on Bill Clinton in this movie as well, and of course Bill Murray making a huge cameo at the very end. We'll get to that later. But a huge joke played on Bill Clinton. I don't know if it aired or not. I also read this one in an article before I saw the movie in theaters a couple of weeks ago. So what I'm reading here is that it, it didn't make the movie. So, so again, this is Screen Rant. This was an article written by Michael Kennedy, Zombieland, double tap, cut a negative Bill Clinton joke. And uh, I guess it was the trailer that featured a joke about Bill Clinton that didn't make the final cut of the film. And we have some guesses why, of course, politically speaking. Because uh, when Zombieland released in 2009, it felt like uh, a breath of fresh air for a lot of people. The Walking Dead's massive success really hadn't yet triggered the over-saturation uh, of the zombie subgenre. It seemed like it wasn't until the early 2010s when uh, the Walking Dead really made its mark and became like the A show up there with, of course, Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad at the time with Cranston and Aaron Paul. But after the hit that Zombieland was after 2009, I think it came out uh, in the beginning of 2009, I think spring of 2009, maybe. Spring of 2000, maybe the fall. I really don't remember. I was nine years old then. Uh, but some, a lot of people thought that Zombieland was a lock to earn a sequel. I mean, it was really, really good. Very well critically acclaimed. I believe it scored a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not an easy thing to do for a lot of people. Ask Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Zach Efron after Baywatch. They did not get a good score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it, it took a decade for Zombieland 2 to come out, and some would argue Zombieland 2 released in theaters a bit too late for its own good, especially after uh, The Walking Dead and its massive success. And yeah, some part of that could be attributed to the increasingly busy careers of all four stars, especially Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone. I mean, Emma Stone has gone on to become a full-fledged member of Hollywood's A-list. Uh, director Ruben uh, Fleischer also, meant, uh, also went to direct last year's mega-hit Venom. That was a solo film, of course, Tom Hardy. While uh, writers, it was I think it was Rhett Reese and Paul Wiernick. I think it was Wiernick. They teamed up to write uh, the, the two Deadpool movies with Ryan Reynolds. And in a stroke of creative genius... Both Reese and Wiernick, if I have those two names right, both Reese and Wiernick chose to uh, basically incorporate the decade-long wait for Zombieland 2 into the script. They included some jabs at how Tallahassee, again, Woody Harrelson played Tallahassee, Tallahassee's uh, famous line, nut up or shut up catchphrase. Uh, it, they basically said, it's so 2009. I forget, I think it was Emma Stone's character that said, wow, that was so 2009 of you, basically, because the movie came out in 2009. That was a good little jab. Uh, but those who watched Zombieland Double Tap's trailers will remember a joke that was arguably so 1999, which was basically Tallahassee smoking cigars in the White House Oval Office, only to be teased that the items had probably been there since the Clinton administration. And I guess the joke was ultimately not part of Zombieland 2's final cut, and there was a few probable reasons why, let me tell you. I mean, the, I think the simplest explanation for Zombieland 2's decision to cut uh, Bill Clinton's cigar joke is that the filmmakers realized it was a relic of its time. I mean, that was 20 years ago. Uh, it, without getting too graphic, the joke is basically a reference to Clinton's famous affair with uh, Monica Lewinsky, who was a White House intern at the time, and a rather explicit detail of their activities that involved cigars. And Clinton would, of course, eventually be come impeached for lying about the affair under oath. Uh, late night hosts uh, at the time had a flea day with the Clinton scandal overall. I mean, it was madness. It was a field day. And the Sakaar part especially, including uh, a played out bit of the humor in Zombieland, Double Tap, would have done nothing but made the film instantly dated. Back to 1999. W wouldn't have helped Bill Clinton in any way, shape, or form. Wouldn't have hurt him either. Again, it was 20 years ago. And uh, also, Zombieland 2's Bill Clinton joke is too politically charged. Again, this is 2019. Uh, politics have never been more... Uh, what's a good word for this? A, a massive vocal point. Uh, uh, the biggest reason for people to voice their opinions and cry and complain about how things aren't going their way. I mean, another potential reason for Zombieland uh, 2's Bill Clinton joke to be removed from the final edit is that it was just too politically charged. In the scandal-written era, of course, 
President Donald Trump, America is more divided, politically speaking, than ever before. And it sometimes feels like politics can be escaped in one's life with obviously with Donald Trump also being the president caught up in a ton of sexual improperty as well as being the subject of an impeachment investigation right now again over the past few weeks in some ways it's like the Clinton days have returned but are now even worse 10 times worse than the Bill Clinton days uh, the last thing Zombieland fans want to be reminded of when taking in over, I think it was like an hour and a half movie, a, a comedic horror, that's what it's supposed to be. The last thing they want to be reminded of, going into the movie theater for a comedic horror entertainment spectacular, uh, is the current political landscape, which nobody wants. Uh, I'm not biased towards anything, Democrats, Republicans, I really don't give a crap. I don't even watch it. But that, that's the last thing I want to be reminded of going into a movie theater, watching a comedic horror with Woody Harrelson. So, with all that garbage, garbage, garbage being said, let's move into the actual review of Zombieland 2. I, I think Zombieland 1, the basic point, it started out with Jesse Eisenberg and Columbus, as they knew him. He had his set of rules. And uh, there are a few uh, defining qualities that help Zombieland stand out when it debuted back in 2009, including those rules to help humans survive uh, the zombie apocalypse. And they were designed by Columbus. Uh, I think there were 33 rules in the 2009 film, so 33 Zombieland rules. Uh, obviously, cardio was number one. Limber up was number two. Double tap was on that list. Uh, beware of bathrooms. He was like, deafening. Uh, scared of clowns for whatever reason, and uh, were visibly depicted in large block letters on the screen whenever he said them. They were splashed or dangled across for maximum impact on the screen. Uh, the rules persisted in the 10 years of the making of the sequel, Zombieland Double Tap, and of course they evolved over the years, which was going to be an interesting scene. So obviously the Homers and and the, uh, the Hawkings and the Ninja uh, zombies evolved over the next 10 years. But the, the rules evolved as well. So the opening scene picked up uh, with the four uh, protagonists, again, the four main characters, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Emma Stone, and then, of course, Little Rock, blanking on her real name. Uh, and they basically were killing a bunch of zombies like they always do, jamming out to Metallica. Or I think it was ACDC. I think it was Shoot to Thrill this time. I remember it was For Whom the Bell Tolls in the first movie with Metallica, with James Hetfield shredding it, but I think it was Brian Johnson this time around with Shoot to Thrill. But anyways... First stop included at the White House, just mentioned the whole Bill Clinton saga, but their first, uh, uh, I guess they were planning on settling home for a few months at the White House. Uh, they went to Graceland in Tennessee, uh, obviously, where Elvis grew up. Big Elvis fan is Tallahassee, Woody Harrelson's character. And then uh, a hippie utopia uh, nicknamed Babylon. I think it was Babylon, Babylon, who cares? While the, uh, the rules for survival are less prevalent, in the second film, I think. They didn't mention them as much as in the first film. Uh, there's a hilariously memorable sequence in which they're like not only outlined, but contrasted with uh, another character who thinks a lot like Columbus later in that film when they're in Graceland at uh, Elvis's house. Of course, both Tallahassee and Columbus, known for being the muscle and the brains duo, the one really tough guy and the one really pussy guy. And then, of course, uh, later on in the film, two lookalikes, basically. That uh, I think it was played by Luke Wilson, the first guy, and then uh, Thomas uh, Middleditch, who's always been acclaimed to be the, the poor man's Jesse Eisenberg uh, with his hair. So I think they were Albuquerque and Flagstaff to Tallahassee and Columbus, Basically the same characters, Luke Wilson and Woody Harrelson playing the same role, while Thomas Middleditch and Eisenberg played the same goofy, uh, weird guy with the rules. And the confrontation between uh, the like-minded men became an opportunity for basically the most humorous part of the movie, particularly when uh, Columbus and Flagstaff compare and contrast their respective rules for survival. And uh, many of Flagstaff's rules directly mirror Columbus's, albeit with a slightly altered word choices. Most notably, I think uh, Flagstaff adopted the term commandments instead of rules, like a, a hippie, <laughs> leaning uh, to the notion that the, a religious devotion to the rules is required in order to survive. So like Columbus, Flagstaff's commandments included a focus on exercise, not cardio. He laughed. He's, I think his, 
I think cardio, it was number one on Eisenberg's list, but for Middle Ditch's list, it was number 37, and I guess he laughed at it. Uh, the use of plastic bags for food, they both agreed on, a fear of going to the bathroom, and of course, an avoidance of perishable foods. A significant difference in their number one rule, like I just mentioned, uh, Columbus focuses on cardio. A Flagstaff has teamwork, which honestly is a much better rule number one. You need teamwork in order to take down all these hundreds of thousands of zombies. And considering the emphasis on family and sticking together that underlines the narrative of Double Tap, there's a little bit of doubt that Columbus will incorporate Flagstaff's first commandment into his rules moving forward. Because he did like it. He's like, oh, man, shit, that's a really good idea. And another new addition to Columbus's list is don't be afraid to ask for help, which is rule 52. And that comes into play in spectacular fashion in the movie when both Albuquerque and Flagstaff elect to take on uh, a group of zombies independently, all T-800s outside of Elvis's house. They're all inside at the moment, just sharing a bunch of beers. But the zombies are outside. And at this point, don't be afraid to ask for help. All four of them plan on going out, but Albuquerque and Flagstaff looking to flex their muscles a little bit. They're like, no, we got it. So between this rule and an earlier revelation from a new character, Madison, who's played by Zoe Deutsch, Madison basically... Uh, just a blonde bimbo, really doesn't have any brains. I think Woody Harrelson, there was the line of the movie in the beginning, he pulls Eisenberg aside because Eisenberg basically wants to bang her. It's basically like, she's still alive because zombies eat brains and she doesn't have any. Uh, So the the, the suggestion that uh, the list has expanded to more than 70 in the last decade between the first film and the sequel, though very few of these new additions are elaborated on. So in some ways, Zombieland Double Tap seems less interested in elaborating on the new rules, which would have been more exciting to get to know because I thought the rules were pretty funny in the first one. Uh, Instead, the sequel basically prioritizes uh, the categorization of zombies by name, including nicknames for the dumb zombies, like I said, the Homer, uh, the Hawkings, and the Ninjas. This, of course, makes sense given the introduction of the new and improved hard-to-kill zombies, again, the Terminator-themed T-800s, who drive a substantial part of the film's conflict at the end. We'll get into that later. But still, one does have to wonder, what are all of the other rules that Columbus is forcing his companions to live by? I don't know. The world may never know. I do have the the list of the 33 rules of Zombieland 1 back in 2009. We mentioned cardio and double tap, beware of bathrooms were the first three. Number four was wear seatbelts because you never know when you're going to have to fly a zombie through the windshield. Number five, no attachments, which they all break because they all end up sleeping with someone at the end of two. Uh, the skillet, which I'm going to have to go back and see that one. Travel light, of course. You see that in the scene where Madison packs all of her pink gear and Woody Harrelson's like, oh, I'll take it for you. And then he just closes it, closes the back trunk and then drives off in the minivan that he is detest in driving. Uh, number eight, get a kick-ass partner. He's got Woody Harrelson for crying out loud. Number 10, don't swing low. Uh, number 11, use your foot. Number 12, bounty paper towels. That's interesting. Kind of weird. 13, shake it off. 14, always carry a change of underwear. That's that's a good rule of any time, zombie apocalypse or not. 15, bowling ball. 16, opportunity knocks. 17, don't be a hero. Uh, later crossed out to be a hero towards the end. 18, limber up. 19, break it up. 20, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Unless it's a sprint, then it's a sprint. I like that one. 21, avoid strip clubs. Definitely. 22, when in doubt, know your way out. 23, Ziploc. 24, use your thumbs. Okay. 25, shoot first. 26, a little sunscreen never hurt anybody. All right, Grandma. 27, incoming. 28, double knot your shoes. That's a good one. 29, the buddy system. 30, pack your stain stick. What the hell is a stain stick? 31, check the back seat. That was always a good one. There was a lot of pop-ups. In the first one, especially in the opening scene when Jesse's just riding the car uh, to basically uh, elevator music. And uh, a zombie popped out in the back seat. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm nine years old. I'm shitting my pants. Uh, 32, enjoy the little things. They they bring that up multiple times in, uh, in the second one. And then, of course, number 33, Swiss Army Knife. So that's the list. The list of Jesse Eisenberg. The list... 
33 rules or commandments, whatever you think there, uh, how, how to survive in Zombieland, and then, of course, uh, Middle Ditch's list of commandments. They only listed a few of them when they were going back and forth between his rules and his commandments. The first commandment, of course, teamwork. Uh, commandment 5, confirm your kills. What is this, Call of Duty Modern Warfare? I don't know. Commandment 12, the world is your bathroom. You can piss anywhere you fucking want. Uh, what does that even mean? So, of course, Jesse Eisenberg is like, uh, beware of bathrooms. I guess the world is your bathroom means you could just shat anywhere you want. Anywhere. On the grass, on the rocks, in your car, in your pants. Commandment 16, expect the unexpected. That's a good one. Commandment 27, cardiovascular fitness. <laughs> I guess he had to... I guess, yeah, commandments. Cardio becomes cardiovascular fitness. Commandment 45, this was the last one. Mind your manners. Because it's just polite, you know? And those were the only commandments that they mentioned from uh, Middle Ditch's character. And then, of course, there were a few deleted rules as well. Uh, I mentioned Iron Skillet, uh, Get a Kick-Ass Partner, Bounty Paper Towels. That one should have been deleted. That one's just weird. Clean Socks. I don't even know where to go with that one. Hygiene. Always have backup. Uh, avoid Strip Clubs. That was a good one, I thought. But that one was a deleted one in uh, Zombieland 2. Uh, now that we've gotten the rules out of the way, though, I do want to uh, touch base here because now that the second one is out and I thought it was phenomenal, I thought it was just as good as the first one, wasn't expecting it to be as good as the first one. Again, 10 years later, and sequels are never that great to begin with, but the fact that it was 10 years later for it to be this good was pretty shocking. It, it makes you think they might do a Zombieland 3. So let's let's see what a Zombieland 3 could potentially look like after, of course, we uh, get a quick word from our sponsor over at Mecca Nutrition. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said... TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Again, remember to use the promo code OSHO20 for $20 off your next order at Mecca Nutrition. If you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, I'm going to say that one for a long time. That's fun to say. But uh, like we were saying, Zombieland 2 uh, took an entire decade to make it on the big screen after Zombieland in 2009. So we can expect a similar wait for Zombieland 3, am I right? Uh, again, uh, Ruben Fleischer, Rhett Reese, Paul Wiernick, the writers, uh, reunited the three for the first time since 2009. Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin uh, reuniting for the first time since 2009. I think the original Zombieland uh, was a box office draw. I think it made a, over uh, a little bit over $100 million worldwide with a uh, $23 million production budget and being warmly received by the critics and zombie fans alike. Again, this was before the hit of uh, The Walking Dead. And 10 years later, Zombieland Double Tap got off to a near-identical start as the first movie. So with a uh, $26 million opening uh, weekend, they made $26 million in the first weekend it was out in theaters. So while Sonny may not have been eagerly fast-tracking to another sequel... The numbers are good enough to warrant making Zombieland 3. I would assume so. And Fleischer was actually asked by, I think MovieWeb was the source for this one, if he had anything in mind for a third movie. And he said that the first two movies were basically structured to be very similar and that it would be very exciting, quote-unquote exciting, to explore some other parts of the world. He, I guess he joked that rather than shooting another film in Atlanta, Georgia, where the first two were filmed uh, in the spring, of course, uh, so kind of chilly on the East Coast. Zombieland 3 would take place somewhere with slightly nicer weather. So uh, I think his exact words were, let's imagine uh, the movie beginning with them all getting off a boat and landing someplace and seeing what that's like. You know, it's not just shooting me in Atlanta again. Hawaii sounds nice this time of year. Uh, nights in February in Atlanta are very, very cold. Uh, not like June and July when it's 200 degrees. Uh, but I wouldn't uh, be made to see what's going on in Turks and Caicos, where uh, the zombie virus was. So again, Rhett Reese and Paul Wiernick, also fans of the idea, 
And uh, speaking to the rap, that source, Weirnick noted that it was Woody Harrelson who, during the uh, the shoots in Atlanta during February, first suggested making the next movie on an island. And the writers joked the cure for the zombie virus could be Fiji water. That's hilarious. So that they could have an excuse to go to Fiji and also build the movie around uh, product placement. And not only does it look like that they all want to do a third one, Zombieland Double Tap left the ending open for a sequel. So again, 10 years after surviving in Zombieland, uh, Columbus, Tallahassee, Wichita, and Little Rock uh, basically became masters at surviving. And after a massive final zombie fight, they all made it out alive. Again, zombie kill of the year from Tallahassee. Uh, and this time it was with uh, uh, Nevada, who's Rosario Dawson, Rosario Dawson's help as a part of the group as well. They added two more members, and uh, it ended with them all driving off in the sunset in Elvis Presley's car, leaving the future completely open for more wild, fun, exhilarating zombie-fueled adventures. Uh, to make matters even more interesting, Zombieland 2 introduced a new breed of super zombies— like we've been mentioning throughout the show, they evolved to be stronger and smarter than the rest. So over time, the zombies could continue to evolve in interesting ways. Maybe make uh, a, a, a Peter Griffin zombie or, or uh, a Brian or, or a Quagmire where it just like humps other zombies. That'd be interesting that, in a weird, sadistic way. I don't know why I thought of that. And then uh, even if it was fast-tracked by Sony, Zombieland 3 likely probably wouldn't arrive in theaters before 2021 at the earliest. And given the, the, uh, the box office, the studio will likely be happy to sit and wait until the cast and creative team start pushing for a sequel again. So the actors have joked in interviews, like I mentioned, about making Zombieland 3 in another decade, which, again, really? 2029? Are you kidding me? Woody Harrelson's going to be 70 years old. And given their uh, various commitments to other projects, it may actually take that long for everyone to get on the same page again. You never know. And, of course... Uh, we'll be here on the O Show to give you any further notice or concrete news about Zombieland 3. Uh, is a sequel worth a 10-year wait? I don't know. I will say this, though. After all that's been said, Zombieland Double Tap, this is the review. It was a sequel worth a 10-year wait for sure. And again, when it hit theaters in 2009, it was at a turning point for the zombie media. It helped uh, re-energize, reinvent the genre just be. For, again, the long-running drama that became The Walking Dead. Uh, Zombie Lane Double Tap saw the return of, again, all three writers, like I mentioned. Uh, uh, they were all back in the director's chair one final time for Double Tap. And uh, ten years after the events of Zombieland, we mentioned the four main protagonists living in the White House. Zombies are relatively old news at this point. They take down whoever they... They're basically the Brock Lesnar of the zombie division. They just take out whoever they please. Uh, but this time, Wichita and Little Rock leave unexpectedly in the White House after uh, Eisenberg pr uh, proposes to Wichita, Columbus proposes to Wichita. After 10 years, he waited 10 long years to propose, and she still said no. So they leave. Uh, so their family is kind of split apart. And, of course, uh, Little Rock, a little annoyed by Tallahassee, basically becoming a father figure to her and basically felt a little too clingy when it came to Tallahassee. So they left. They split, at least for a month. Uh, things got worse when Wichita returned with the news that no, not only has Little Rock run off with a boy from Berkeley, uh, who's, uh, uh, I, I forget his name, I think he was in Victorious, but uh, there are uh, deadlier zombies in the world now, like we mentioned, the, the T-800s. So a lot going on, Tallahassee, Columbus, Wichita, and of course the newfound friend Madison, Zoe Deutsch, who's the blonde bimbo, uh, Columbus's new girlfriend that he sleeps with while uh, Wichita's gone for the month. Good for him, rebounded pretty quickly. Uh, they leave on a road trip back down Little Rock. Along the way, they meet Elvis enthusiast Nevada, Rosario Dawson, like I mentioned. Uh, uh, Dawson and uh, Harrelson, Nevada and Tallahassee have a thing. Again, everybody sleeps with someone by the end of this. And uh, again, Albuquerque and Flagstaff, Middle Ditch and Luke Wilson. Uh, but with the stronger zombies on the loose and Little Rock in danger, it remained to be seen if the family was going to be reunited. So that was the main plot of this film. And despite taking a decade away from the Zombieland property and skepticism about how such a long-delayed sequel proved to be just as much fun as its predecessor, 
Uh, of course, with the writer's writing at, at the core of the film, Double Tap is also in a strange position, I feel like, with its own world uh, of Frozen in 2009 when the zombie apocalypse began, while the real world has aged 10 years. But the writers managed to play with that in an incredibly fun way. Uh, Felicia, like I mentioned, also brings the horror to this horror comedy with plenty of creative zombie kills and pop-ups. And one particular one, uh, uh, one take style action scene that's uh, slicker than the viewers might be expecting from a zombie movie. Altogether, Zombie uh, uh, Zombieland Double Tap easily captured the same uh, tone of the first one, delivering a compelling expansion of the world uh, and showcasing that there's plenty more to be fun, a lot of fun left to be had in Zombieland in 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 uh, in in the in the, in, the, in the series. That's what I'm trying to say. In the series, there's probably gonna be a third one. It'll make the trilogy. Uh, much of that fun came from the characters of Tallahassee, Columbus, Wichita, and Little Rock. Uh, basically, along in their journey, uh, the Berkeley kid is funny enough as the peace-loving kid. Again, he's high all the time, has a bunch of weed, plays a bunch of Bob Dylan songs, but. Uh, uh, Little Rock's too young to know who the songs are by, so she thinks that Berkeley's just a genius songwriter. Um, he's undeniably outshined by the new additions like Dawson's Nevada and the, the, the scene-stealing Dutch uh, Madison. Again, Madison, you can compare to Neighbor 407. Again, Eisenberg compares to like, oh, you, you don't think I'm pretty? No, I think you're pretty. I think you're Neighbor 407 pretty. Uh, for, neighbor 407, of course, being the blonde-headed chick that uh, comes... To Eisenberg's house in Zombieland one before she gets infected and wants to eat him at the end as a zombie, uh, but yeah, Madison's basically portrayed as a dumb blonde who still managed to survive the zombie apocalypse for a decade, and she's often underestimated by by everybody else who are, are basically the hardened survivors of the group. The past ten years, the main protagonist, which is smartly uh, where much of the comedy around her is derived. Uh, meanwhile, while, of course, Middle Ditch and Wilson's characters, Albuquerque and Flagstaff, appear for what is essentially an extended joke, uh, but they ended up getting eaten or bit, so, of course, they turn into zombies. Harrelson and Eisenberg have to kill them, and uh, it, it's the main cast who holds the film together at the end of the day, bringing plenty of heart uh, to the anchor of the movie in their found family, while it perhaps a little over-sentimental at times, uh, clashing with the horror and the comedy elements uh, throughout the entire movie, and the family is carried off well by, again, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Breslin, uh, giving Zombieland Double Tap some needed emotional weight that we didn't see in the first one. I mean, when it comes to the story of Zombieland 2 here, though, it's a bit messy with the characters getting distracted from their main mission, uh, basically to attempt to find a better vehicle or explore uh, Graceland. They found a giant bus that was a total badass tour bus, probably from, like, Metallica before they got eaten by zombies. Woody Harrelson drives it out, hits a rock, back to the minivan. Uh, the, the tire was loose, uh, so that was interesting. But to say nothing of the moments when Columbus... As the narrator, again, uh, uh, Eisenberg narrates this entire thing like he did in the first one, basically pulling the audience completely away from the story to showcase zombie kills elsewhere in the world. And we'll get to the zombie kills of the decade. I want to list my favorite ones in the rankings between these two movies. These moments are seemingly built into the story to necessitate action beats and while they provide plenty of humor and gory zombie fights, it makes Double Tap feel uh, meandering, which would be more frustrating if the movie weren't as fast-paced. Thankfully, it was an energetic 99 minutes. Uh, it justified its diversions by making them easily enjoyable and then quickly returning to the characters to their main quest, of course, to find Little Rock. Even though the film's story isn't the neatest, Zombieland Double Tap makes it work, partly by distracting the audience with how much fun they're having at the end of the day. And ultimately, Zombieland Double Tap is an incredibly enjoyable sequel to Zombieland that defined the existence by delivering a wildly hilarious and smartly crafted horror comedy in its own right. There are plenty of references to the first film for Die Hard fans, like we mentioned before, but the sequel won't leave newcomers in the dark. In fact, they might not even be necessary to have have them seeing Zombieland to understand or enjoy Double Tap, kind of like Joker. You don't need to be a DC fan to watch uh, the origin of the Joker character played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. 
So as such, Zombieland Double Tap is definitely worth a watch for fans of Zombieland or anyone interested in the sequel, though it's perhaps not totally necessary to see it in theaters. Still, moviegoers looking for an entertaining horror comedy, eating some popcorn. Popcorn's always fun to eat. This, uh, obviously, Halloween season has passed. We're moving into Thanksgiving season. But you still can't go wrong with checking out Zombieland Double Tap. It may not be a perfect film, but Zombieland Double Tap is fun as hell. So, with that being said, let's list the uh, the zombie kill, the zombie kill of the year rankings. I wanted to list the top ten between the two movies. Obviously, they show a few throughout the two films, but these are the top ten uh, kills. Obviously, number one is going to be the one the the final scene in Zombieland Two. If you haven't seen it, again, spoilers. Watch out. But uh, of course, we'll go ten through one. Number ten being. And again, you have to see the second one to see this one because it was right out of the gate before the first scene even happened. Uh, Columbia Ladies Kill, uh, double tapped in waste any time before giving uh, the fans the first two kills of the movie. The famous lady with the torch with the Columbia logo, Columbia Productions at the start of the movie a.k.a. the Columbia lady from the logo. She was given an opportunity to take out a couple of zombies, which was very smart, very, very intelligent from the writers, and uh, believe us, she made a good use of that torch. It's good to know that anything can be used as a blunt weapon capable of caving in a zombie's skull. And frankly, we have to give credit to the Columbia lady for her poise in the face of danger and, and about how she didn't even hesitate to take out a couple of zombies. She's probably never even seen them before. Uh, number nine, you'll see this in the second one as well. Zombie Kill of the Week was the first Zombie Kill of the Week in Double Tap. And uh, it had some fun with the Zombie Kill of the Week concept, of course, with uh, both Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg. Naturally, that means they had uh, just to up the ante a little bit from the first one, while Tallahassee himself was able to land that award later in the movie. Um, like I said, we'll get there when we get there. The award first goes to a very creative farmer. So uh, the farmer made an excellent use of the equipment on his farming land, chasing down a zombie with his massive harvester. So basically the zombie was getting run down by this chopper, basically. Uh, This windmill of just nails and knives, and it'll kill anybody. It wouldn't just kill a zombie. It would kill just about anybody. It's difficult to feel bad for a zombie, but seeing one chased down and pulped up by a harvester comes pretty close to feeling bad. Okay, that's not true. It was pure hilarity, not to mention satisfyingly gruesome. And uh, it, it was kind of like rolling up pizza dough or something like that, like cracking open a, a, a tangerine. That's, that's what that felt like. Uh, number eight, number eight, clearing out the White House, obviously, Getting to the White House was no easy stretch in the opening scene. They had to take out all these zombies. It was like 30 to 4. They ended up doing it. I thought that was pretty cool. That's just a personal favorite. Uh, It didn't compare to the other two, but it's just my personal favorite. Number 7, Zombie Kill of the Year. Uh, Like I just mentioned, the Zombie Kill of the Week was still a thing, but it's been long enough since the zombie outbreak that some people were feeling compelled. So to go a bit farther in taking out a zombie, and thus the Zombie Kill of the Year award was created. And the first ever Zombie Kill of the Year went to an industrious Italian who was clearly feeling a bit fed up with the zombies overall. So he used a monument, again, a monument, an entire freaking monument, to take out a few of them. Admittedly, it would have been easier to take out the zombies in another manner, but it sure made a point. This man used a leaning tower of Pisa to take out a small group of hungry and not that very bright zombies. Again, they kind of look like homers. Uh, We hope this was an effective therapy for the guy, but that was an awesome kill. Number six, I'm going to have to go with uh, uh, a battle of the doubles again with Eisenberg and uh, uh, Middleditch. Uh, it was Albuquerque and Flagstaff, Albuquerque and Flagstaff versus Tallahassee and Columbus after Albuquerque and Flagstaff get bitten by the T-800s. Uh, it was two on two. That was a very entertaining scene, very hilarious scene. They ended up getting the kills. I thought that was very nice. Number five, halfway through, uh, the final scene, all the zombies are in uh, Babylon the utopia universe with all the hippies they make them melt their guns before they go in so everybody was fucked goku when they got to babylon nobody had any guns so they they uh it was nevada i think who had the monster truck with the massive wheels uh flies that massive uh monster truck 
over the canyon, over the ramp, and basically just takes out and runs over a bunch of zombies. Again, I mentioned like squeezing a tangerine, very satisfyingly gruesome to watch in that final scene. Number four, uh, time to blow up some zombies. Time to nut up or shut up. That's when uh, Emma Stone famously says, uh, that's so 2009. So new saying, time to blow up some freaking zombies. They take a bunch of gasoline, tie them up to the to the uh, gasoline tanks, and basically blew up a bunch of zombies, but a lot weren't killed, which is why they're like, oh, fuck. Like, we're going to die tonight. And that's when Nevada came in with a monster truck and nearly killed a 1,000 of them. Uh, number three, I'm going to have to go with uh, the dumbass Madison, who's standing at the top of the utopia because obviously if she goes and fights with them she'll die but there was a bunch of equipment a bunch of uh, moving bags and stuff uh, a bunch of rocks at the top of the cliff and all the zombies are looking to kill them and all of a sudden you see a massive rock fall from the sky and kill three zombies there's madison able to throw her luggage onto the zombies beautifully again like a good 50 feet in the air which was pretty impressive considering she's a blonde bimbo. Uh, number two, uh, it was uh, running to the edge again. I, again, a lot of people thought this was going to be number one. I, I kind of promoted it like it was going to be number one. Number two, though, running to the edge, Woody Harrelson with the kill of the century, like Eisenberg narrated in the movie. Remember earlier in the movie when we mentioned Tallahassee got his own zombie kill of the week award? It happened at the end of the movie, naturally, our, uh, the main characters and a bunch of unnamed characters were under siege by a bunch of extra dangerous and durable zombies, like I mentioned, known as the T-800s, all of them T-800s, which made it 10 times more difficult for them. And the final battle involved a lot of different tactics to take out the zombies. I mentioned the gasoline tanks, that didn't work. The monster truck, that didn't work entirely. It worked for most of it, not entirely. But the final play was done by Tallahassee, Woody Harrelson, at which point he led the zombies to the edge of a very high building and promptly led them off to their deaths. Second deaths even, again, double tap, you never know. Third deaths, fifth death, dozen deaths. They're, they're the T-800s. It's something the movie had actually been building up to the whole time, so it's kind of fitting. And it took out a lot of zombies and probably made a bit of a mess at the bottom of that pill. But it seemed like Woody Harrelson was going to die. He was going to make the ultimate sacrifice. Very dramatic scene. Ends up holding on to a, a, a crossbar and ends up using the gun that he gave to Little Rock at the beginning of the scene. So that was pretty cool. But number one, number one, if that's not number one, you're thinking, what's number one? It was after the credits rolled. The, the, they paid homage to Bill Murray. It was Bill Murray's rampage. They would go all the way back to the first day of the zombie apocalypse and uh, this whole scene was their way of making it up to us, I guess, because Bill Murray wasn't in the movie. They mentioned a few times uh, Nevada even was just like, yeah, you almost Bill Murrayed me, basically mean like, oh, I thought you were a zombie, so I'm going to kill you, but you weren't a zombie. And Jesse was like, oh, who did that? What, what a scumbag. When everybody knows it was, it was Jesse Eisenberg who killed Bill Murray as a zombie in Zombieland 1. But I guess this, this scene at the end was the way of making it up to us. Uh, in this scene, after the credits roll, the zombie apocalypse only just begun, like I said, the first day, uh, with most characters not even knowing about it yet. This was the moment when Bill Murray first saw a zombie and immediately took it out like it was nothing. It's like, ah, I've been here before. I'm 75 years old. Bill Murray zombie killing rampage, done with his usual calm poise, started off with the iconic Al Roker and then just went on from there. So no wonder the man had managed to survive so far in the zombie apocalypse. I mean, he's a ghostbuster for crying out loud, but he didn't hesitate to do what he needed to be done, even when he didn't know a thing about the zombies or even if they were zombies. So that's my top 10 for uh, the zombie kill of the week. Shout out to Bill Murray, Ghostbuster, zombie killer of the decade from 2009 all the way to 2019. And that's basically the last thing I wanted to cover here. So this was the zombie review. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.